0: Thank you, Michelle. <clears throat> I told Joe, uh, Joe earlier, you might mistake me for a kid for my size, but I'm not leaving. I'm <clears throat> sticking around. <clears throat> Word. <laughs> uh, by the way, I didn't mention this earlier. These are our John Journals. Uh, these are groups are gonna be using. So if you don't have one of these, like, there's some at the connect table, but there's also some on the speakers down here. If, if you decide Well, we'd love for you to get one. So these are free for you to have. If you don't have one, you won't interrupt anything. So you can come and grab one uh, from the speakers here. Uh, These will be for you to jot down notes, for you to take home with you, to read the text, to examine, to apply, to do. And this is what the groups will be coming back together to talk about. Uh, So if you don't have a John journal, grab one of these uh, before you leave or you can get one now. Um, Man, who in here likes to multitask? Who in here, you know what, by raising it, who, who in here thinks that multitasking is a real thing? <laughs> Knew you would raise yours. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm going sim- to like multitask right now, I'm going to try to simultaneously speak to you and not say um, or touch my microphone. I've already messed up because I've said um already, um, so what's, we'll <laughs> see what I'm saying? It's not a real thing, multitasking, not real. <clears throat> we are going to be looking at John 13. Michelle, thanks for reading that. I feel like as I was studying this passage, and then I get to the, the end of like coming to present this to you, I feel like there's part of me that I think I'm going to do it a disservice. And what I mean by that is, there's three things that I want to touch on, besides my microphone. There's th- three things I want to touch on in this passage that I want you to walk away with. And that's the love of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, and the cleansing of Jesus. And why I say I think this is going to be a disservice is because me trying to explain the love of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, and the cleansing of Jesus, I can only do so much, and I feel like we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg. For me to explain that the Bible talks about the love of Jesus, Paul prayed that the Ephesians would know the surpassing love of Jesus. They would have the knowledge of his surpassing love. So the way he loves us is just above and beyond anything that we can even comprehend. The way he has humbled himself before us is in a way that we cannot fully comprehend. But I'm praying this morning, in some way, by what we're sharing together, is like you walk away being wowed at Jesus. There's something that strikes you, you're like, man, Jesus loves me with an unimaginable love. Jesus humbled himself to come and meet me. And I, I just pray, and my prayer has been that this would be so weighty on you. You can't leave without knowing, man, I am loved. Jesus came to meet me, and he wants to cleanse me. Yeah? That's good stuff. Like, all you had to do was just sit and be still. I don't know what you got on your plate. It could be 100 things, and 99 of them might be going wrong. But if you st- sit still and dwell on this, that stuff is going to become very minute, the fact that you are loved by the God of this world, and he came to meet you, and he wants to cleanse you. That's good. Amen? Is that good stuff? Yeah? <clears throat> um, there I went. Don't, don't count those. I'll try to talk slower. I can't talk slower because it goes so long. I'll try to talk slower so I won't uh, do that verbal pause for you. Uh. Ju- John 13. So uh, you've heard us mention this several times, talking about the gospel of John. Very different from what we see with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And just so you know, when we talk about there being the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're not talking about different gospels. We're talking about, the. just so you know, the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel, the gospel according to Mark, according to John right? So that's what we're saying when we're talking about the gospel writers, the gospels that we're referring to. John is much different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and here's an instance of it. What's recorded in John 13, actually what's recorded in John 13 through 17, are not found in the other gospels. It's very specific and unique to John. So we get a a super awesome picture of the life of Jesus and his disciples before his crucifixion happens. Now what we're seeing is the time that this is going to take place. Verse one starts out, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Mark would say this in his just Mark 14, 12. Mark would put it this way Uh, He says the the first day of the unleavened bread, which is Passover, is was when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Luke 22, Luke says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. I want to purposely step away from my notes for a minute, or else I'm going to have my face in that paper the whole time. What's interesting about this Passover that Jesus no doubt celebrated with his disciples already This is what all of creation was pointing to from the beginning since Genesis was this very moment, the final Passover sacrifice. So here Jesus is approaching this final Passover meal with his disciples, and it says this is the day that the Passover lamb is sacrificed, and Jesus is sitting across from this table and within 24 hours will himself be sacrificed for them. This is it, like everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. Jesus said that himself. He's like, you look at the prophets, you look at the Psalms, they were talking about me. So now in this moment, the Passover, Jesus is about to be sacrificed. And what a picture of this to be able to eat this meal with these guys. But I love this language here. Before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So I just want to hit on the fact that Jesus loves. The love of Jesus is amazing. A couple of interesting points with this. Uh, It says that Jesus knew his hour had come. Uh, We already kind of discovered that in John chapter 12 when the Greeks were like, we want to see Jesus and I think it was Andrew and Philip went to tell Jesus, and Jesus was like, hey, my time has finally come. It's now my time to be glorified. The final Passover lamb is about to be sacrificed, right? So Jesus was about to depart, depart. But it wasn't an immediate departure. We know from Luke, who wrote the book of Acts as well, in the beginning of that, it says that Jesus, he died, he was buried. He rose again, and then he spent another 40 days showing to the disciples and other people who were witnesses. He was proving to them that he was alive, and he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. So it wasn't an immediate departure. I see Jesus saying this, and it's like, boom, like he gets crucified. He is raised from the dead, and he departs to be with the Father. It didn't happen. He was here for 40 days, but it was as good as him departing. That's the way it was in Jesus' mind. I think I have John 11 on here, too. Um, John 11, I'm sorry, John 17, verse 11. Jesus was praying this to the Father with his disciples present. Jesus said, he's praying to the Father, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. You're like, hold on, man, is that a contradiction? (laughs) He said, I'm not in the world while he's in the world. He's praying this, right? He's as good as gone. Like this is happening. His departure is at hand. I'm not in the world. I'm coming to you. He's praying this while in the world. But he said, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And then he says, uh, verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. which you have given me and I've guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Which, by the way, there's a picture of love right there. Jesus says, I have kept them, I have guarded them. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you. I am coming to you, Father. So Jesus is about to depart. And he knows that his hour has come. And the very thing that he's thinking about at this Passover feast is the fact that he loves his own. He has loved his own, and he's going to love them to the end. When I was thinking about through like who this own he is referring to, uh, John 1.11, it puts it this way. It says that uh, Jesus came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. He was talking about the Jewish people. Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him. John 1 also says that Jesus came to the world and the world didn't recognize him. So there's a difference. Uh, Psalm 24-1, I think. Do I have John 24-1 up here, Stephen? I think so. Yeah. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Everything belongs to God, right? Everything is his. The Jewish people are his. They're his own. But that's not the own that he's talking about right now in John 13. The world belongs to him. He made it all. He made the world, everything that dwells in it. But this is not the own that he's talking about in John 13. The own that he's talking about are, are those disciples that are sitting around the table with him. And I love this language for Jesus. It says that he loved them the whole time he was with them. Um, you might have heard me say this before, but I feel like uh, with my kids, one of the things that we talk about, I say, hey, um, I ask the question, I'm like, how do you know God loves us? And we always respond together, we're like, because Jesus died on the cross. Right? That's a good answer. That's a biblical answer, by the way. How do you know God loves you? Well, he died on the cross. That's Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's true. But you know what's awesome? Like Jesus is showing that he loved them prior to the cross even coming around. Before him even being crucified, Jesus loved them. And he loved them to the end. That just means he loved them to the full extent. I've seen some people comment on that, like he loved them to the max. You know, Jesus was fully aware that the cross was on the horizon. His time to depart was at hand. His hour had come, and he decides to love his own to the end. Is that the kind of condition we would be in if we were in his situation, knowing that we're about to face the cross, the torture of the cross and the wrath of God, and he decides to love his own to the end? And what a a beautiful picture, right? Um. I don't know if you've experienced this. I have somewhat, um, but I've known some people at the end of their their life. They knew it was coming. Even for Christian believers, like we have a tendency to stiff arm people. At the end, we don't want anybody near. They they just stiff arm people. It's time to shut in. And since I don't know if it's a self reflection or like I don't want people to see me in this condition or whatever. But I've seen that where people kind of are stiff armed by somebody who is at the end of their life. Jesus, on the other hand, was like, I know what's coming tomorrow. I'm here for you. I've not only loved you, but I'm going to love you to the very end. Isn't it amazing? That's the faithfulness of God's love. That's the eternal love of Jesus. I'm super glad that he loves us like that. I want you to know this this morning. He loves you. And I can say that and it can have some meaning and we still can't catch the weight of that. But I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. And we just get, we just catch some of that from the, the Bible, some truths that it says, but we still can't grasp the weight of that. For God, y'all know John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his own son, like he proved it. Yeah, something like 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has for us? that we should be called the children of God, and so we are? Man, I I, I think we don't give ourselves enough time to just sit and be still in that for a minute. See, See how great a love the Father has for you? I say that collectively, but I want you to hear that personally too. See how great a love the Father has for you personally? He loves you. He loves you. He has loved you, and he's gonna love you to the end. Um... Let me find this. Um, we use, uh, how many of you use the Jesus storybook Bible? Anybody use that? <clears throat> uh, I, I love the way that the writer puts this, talking about the love of God. It says, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a, a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. How many of you love people like that? <laughs> A never giving up kind of love, always and forever, it never breaks. How many of you love people like that? I don't. And I purposely don't. (laughs) I can't help it, right? I'm filled with the Spirit of God, but man, I'm in a world of sin, which still sometimes entangles us, which we'll get to. Jesus loved without any hesitancy. You know why? He chose to. He chose to. Whether we recognize it or not, he chooses to love us. I mean, we can see that. There, there are times, like, you guys ever, um, you sacrificially have done something for someone because you love them, and then they didn't even recognize it or give thanks, maybe? You ever had that happen? All right? Get, you'll show me one of those. Like, you, you've done something for somebody because you love them, and maybe you went all out, and it just... <laughs> <clears throat> It's not just parents, but I, I will tell you, like, as a parent, like, that's, that, that's on a daily, right? <laughs> but as a parent, like, the kids, I'm like, dude, we just planned this whole, like, awesome day for you, and this, man, we would just on we to shower you would love, and they're like, what? You do what? <laughs> What's the next thing? <clears throat> man, Jesus loves you, and it's not based on anything you've done, and it never will be. Holy smokes because he chooses to love you. He loves his disciples, and he loves them to the end. Um, Have I said, oh, a lot? I feel like I just said it, but it's been a minute. Been a minute. You can give me some credit. Can you put that J.C. Ryle quote up for me uh, about the love of Christ? Yeah, check this out. J.C. Ryle says it this way. The love of Christ to sinners is the very essence and marrow of the gospel, that he should love us at all and care for our souls, that he should love us before we love him or even know about him, that he should love us so much as to come into the world to save us, to take on our nature or take our nature on him, bear our sins and die for us on the cross. All this is wonderful indeed. It is a kind of love to which there is nothing like among men. The narrow selfishness of human nature cannot fully comprehend it. It is one of those things that, uh, which even the angels desire to look into. It is a, it is a truth which Christian preachers and teachers should proclaim incessantly. Never be weary of proclaiming. So when we look at the love of Jesus, our only response can be, Wow. He loved me before I even knew he loved me. Isn't that amazing? You think there's anything you can do to change that? <laughs> you think there's anything that you could do to make him love you more? You think there's anything that you could do to make you make him love you less? He loves you. Amen. That's good. He loves you. Oh, I did want to share this with you. Uh, I think it was this particular portion. You um, get that Philippians 1 on the screen? Yeah, oh yeah, sweet. Uh, when I read this part, it reminded me of Philippians 1. Remember Robert talked about this last week, how Jesus was consumed with the will of the Father? He was so consumed, he was like, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That's Jesus' heart. That's why he lived. That's why he came. He's like, whatever you want, Father. It's all about you. And then I hear this in Paul's language. He's like, whatever you say, Jesus, it's all about you. Whatever you want me to do, it's all about you. So I love this out of Philippians. Uh, Check this out. I guess I could read it from here. That'd be good. Um, Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is around the table with these guys. He's like, I'm going to spend every ounce of life of my public earthly ministry I have with you to point you to the Father. That's why I'm here. That's why I exist. And Paul is like, hey, I want to go be with Jesus. That's better than being with you. (laughs) I want to depart is far better you ever wrestled with that before? Somebody ever said, "Hey man, are you ready to go?" And some people say, "Yeah, yeah, but I kind of want to, kind of want to stick around and watch my kids grow up, or like whatever, enter the whatever you want in the blank." Paul's like, "No, to depart with Jesus, uh, to be with Jesus will always be better." Now, that's not to say I'm ready to go. Let's go now. But like my heart should be like, if I go, it is the best thing to be with Jesus. But he said, I'm convinced, though, it's more important, it's more necessary that I stay here with you. Right? Paul's like, I want to point you to Jesus, and I'm going to do that while I'm here. So so it kind of has that reminder for me, very much like John 13, where Paul's like, hey, I I have loved you. Even through the rough stuff, I'm going to love you to the end. I'm going to point you to Jesus until I go. And guess what? He did. He actually had his, his head chopped off. Right? Paul was decapitated. But I love this language. Love and love to the end. Man, who is it that's in your life? Well, first of all, do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Have you heard this enough to, for me to reiterate that? Do you know Jesus loves you? Are you his own? Do you belong to him? That's important. If you don't know that wrestle with that this morning don't leave without saying man i tell jesus I, I, I don't know your love how do i know you love me it's a good question he's proved it remember what i said like i we love people whether they realize it or not jesus loves you whether you realize it or not whether you acknowledge it or not he loves you so the other thing is like who is there around you that you are loving what are we doing with the time given to us? Ephesians 5, Paul tells the Ephesians five sixteen. he says, make the most use of the time. Make the most use of the time. So press into that. Who is it around you that you're loving to the end that you're sacrificing for because of the love of Christ? And you're like, man, I know the love of Jesus and I want to point people to the love of Jesus. Because if I had to sum it up for Jesus... You look at Jesus, Jesus is like, I'm pointing to the Father. So if we had to sum up our life as a slave to Christ, as a bond servant of Jesus Christ, people look at us, we should be like, man, I'm pointing to Jesus. Every time, no questions asked. Now, do we fail at that? Yes. But if we're following after our Savior, who loved his own to the end, man, that's our heart's desire. If you're like, that's not me this morning know the love of Jesus and pray into the fact that he would consume you with his love so much that you can't help but say what Paul said. I want to depart and be with Jesus, but I'm convinced that I'm going to stick around. It's more necessary for your progress and join the faith. Woo, is that good? Yeah? Uh, All right, that was verse one. I think I'm going to speed up the rest though, so don't worry about it. Uh, John 13, uh, two through five, we're going to see the humility Of Jesus, but it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, I'm not going to hit on that much, by the way, that'd be a whole separate sermon about what the devil just did with Judas, okay? Um, I'm not trying to skip it, there's things I'm highlighting. All right, Jesus, verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, up until the very end, I already told you that Jesus loved them because it was a choice. But like Jesus proves his love for them by his own humiliation before them. He humbles himself before them to say, I love you. Which, one of these other guys will probably hit on this later. Uh, I think it's John 13, 34 or so. Um, Jesus says, I, I'm your teacher and your Lord. You, you see what I'm doing for you? I'm doing this so that you love other, other people. It doesn't stop here. like It continues. The world's going to know I love them By the way, you also love them, okay? If I had to condense uh, verses two and two and three, well, and some before, you guys ever feel like you're reading this sometimes, and it might be like a run-on sentence depending on the uh, translation you're reading. If I had to sum up verses three, four, and two, three, and four, it would be: During supper, Jesus rose from supper you like, what's that all about? But that's actually the way the sentence is structured. Uh, during supper, Jesus rose from supper. Why? There was a purpose. This is the last meal that they're going to have before this sacrificial lamb was going to be sacrificed for them, for the sins of the world. During supper, during supper, So Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, giving all things into his hands, and that he came from God and was going back to God. Jesus, no doubt in this moment, knew that all authority belonged to him. And he is supreme. There was no one else above him. All right? The supremacy of Jesus. It says even though he knew that, And actually, because he knew that, he rose from supper to do something specific. He knew that he came from God. He knew his position high above it all. And he's about to humble himself. (laughs) If you guys ever looked at Philippians chapter 2 before, would see a huge correlation between that passage in Philippians 2 that we're about to look at and uh, these verses that I just read. Now look at this. Think about what what we just read and look at this text. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Usually when people look at this verse, they're like, did Jesus empty himself of his own deity to become man? And that's not what has happened. Jesus in his full deity, God the Son his full deity, he took on something. It says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. The God of the universe. You guys ever looked at those Hubble telescope pictures? Y'all ever looked at those? Raise your hand. Hubble telescope, you see like all these galaxies and you're like, that's crazy. I can't even fathom that. God telling Abraham to count all the stars, and you can't see all of them. That's funny. These Hubble telescope-like pictures, it just makes you feel so small. I went to one of those, uh, uh, what's his name, Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin concert before. They're showing all these pictures, and by the time you get to the end of it, you realize, like, dude, I'm a dot. You can't even see me. Like, I'm smaller than the dot, right? God is so vast. God is so great. It's unimaginable. Like, we can't fathom God in his fullness. It says that he's stretching out the curtains like a heaven. Stretching out the heavens like a curtain. Did I mess it up? Stretching out the heavens like a curtain. Like, he's amazing. You look at these telescope pictures and you're like, that's crazy. God spoke that into existence. Do you know that? Out of nothing, God said, let there be light, and boom, right? God's great. He's magnificent. He's mighty. He's powerful. Without him, we wouldn't exist. He, right now, is giving you every single breath that you're breathing. Every single breath. Every single beat of your heart, he's giving you right now. Every one of them. If he was to cease to give you that, it would stop. God is amazing, right? You think about the people that would come in this room right now, whether they're a celebrity or whatever, and like how our attitude changes, right? They walk into the room like, ooh, see who that is? And I bet part of that is like, hey, is there anything we can do for you? Like, do you you need anything? Like, This is totally flipped upside down. The king of the universe, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, he is 100% God, decided himself to take on the form of a servant and to humble himself by coming into the world, putting on flesh and blood, because he chose to, because he loves us. Not because you and I earned it, but because he wanted to. Huh? He did that. I can't, even, I can't even wrap my mind around it that the God who made it all came into that. Remember, I talked about us being smaller than a dot? He, <laughs> he put on this form of a servant that's smaller than a, a dot. He's on this little dot with us. And you know what he does in this instance with the Passover meal? He didn't just come into the world. He's washing the feet of his disciples. The humility of Jesus is, um, it's crazy. Not only did he come into the world to show you, I love you. I'm humbling myself that you might be saved. He's humbling himself to wash their feet. you already know this. I think most of you in this room know this, but these people are going to have some nasty, pretty nasty feet just because they walk from place to place. I think two, to, two days prior to this, they were in Bethany at uh, Simon the leper's house. These guys got dirty feet, and they're reclining around the table. It's pretty gross, actually. <laughs> they're reclining around the table to eat this meal together, and their feet are all, like, back, you know, toward each other, and you're like, I got to eat this, but I'm looking at that. That's gross. Right? It's pretty nasty. You know what this tells me? No one washed their feet. Nobody thought to wash their feet. There was not a disciple who said, you know what? I'm going to take up the mantle here and I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to humble myself before these guys and wash their feet. It took the God of the universe to show them what love looks like by humbling himself before them. Man, it's crazy. He's already going to go to the cross. You're already going to show us that you love us. He's like, (laughs) my love is way beyond understanding. I'm displaying this before you. I not only came to take on the form of a servant, I'm humbling myself before you to show you this is how you love. You know what else strikes me in this? How much time do I have? Hurry up, Christopher. Uh, you know what else this shows me? Um, I don't want to get into the other part too much, but like, I don't think Jesus has done this for them before either until this moment. So it was very uh, timely that he did it right now. If he did do it before, then Peter wouldn't have gave him a big hubbub Right? He's like, I'm going to wash my feet. And then finally he was like, oh, hey, wash me. Wash all of me. Like, if it had happened before, Peter would have already been in a place to not prevent it from happening. Right? So Jesus had already done this, Peter would have been like, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> wash my feet. <clears throat> so it was very poignant for now at this time that they would know his humility in order that they would know his love. Right? <clears throat> So good. Make sure I'm not missing anything here that I wanted to share with you. Oh, I did want to mention this to you uh, because you guys are experts in knowing all this. You're Bible trivia folks. Um, The 12 are sitting around the table you know that one's a betrayer, right? You know specifically who the betrayer is, right? There's no, there's no guess. It's Judas. Surprise! <clears throat> I think all the gospel writers actually hit on that, but yeah, he's the, that's the guy. Uh, if I were to say to you, which, which of the 12 denied Jesus? Peter would come to mind, right? Can I throw something at you? All these jokers abandoned him. They all abandoned him. So they all, in a sense, denied him. Not like Peter did. Like Peter was just like, I don't know the guy. I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have anything to do with him. But all of them denied Jesus. They abandoned him. And you know what? Jesus loved them and showed them humility, even knowing that. Now, how many of us can say the same? What would it look like for us to sit around the group of people, and we knew a betrayer, was in our midst right beside us how would that change the way we serve people how would that change the way you serve people that you know is about to abandon you right that's sacrificial love that's a love not based on what people do to deserve it that's based on a choice um let's see i haven't said i'm a lot that's pretty pretty okay i should get at least 10 more in before we go the love of jesus the humility of jesus lastly i want to hit on the cleansing of jesus okay six through 11 look at this again he came to simon peter who said to him lord do you wash my feet jesus answered him what i'm doing you do not understand now An amazing exchange to show us the cleansing of Christ. This is not just the fact that he's washing feet. There's a spiritual reality behind this that Jesus is about to make clear. Again, this has never happened before or else Peter would have been like, yes, wash my feet. But he's washing the feet of the disciples and he comes to Peter and Peter's like, Lord, do you? There's this distinction here. Do you wash my feet? I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You remember him saying that? Peter makes that confession. He's like, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You? And I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when the disciples were on the boat fishing, they fished all night, didn't catch anything. And then Jesus says, hey, throw your net out on the other side. Peter's like, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. But because you say it, do it. Throw the net out. Get so much fish, they have to call over their other buddies on a different boat, say, come help us with the fish. Peter realizes in that moment there's a difference. And he realizes how much of a sinful person that he is. I am a sinful man. So I think there's part of that going on. I don't think it's like Peter saying, hey, Lord, do you wash my feet? I don't really need it. I don't think he's saying that. I think he does recognize like Jesus is great. I am sinful. Lord, do you wash my feet? It's not supposed to be this way. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. If anything, you ought to be washing your feet, right? By the way, me and the other 11 guys, we missed it. As soon as Jesus gets up right, to put off the towel, he puts on, he's washing their feet. They're like, dang, I could have did that. That should have been me. But then look at the way, uh, well, Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing right now it's more than what you're seeing right now. There's a spiritual lesson behind this, what I'm about to do. You don't understand right now, but afterwards you're going to get it. Okay? And then Peter makes a statement. He said, you will never wash my feet. Emphatically, like just, that's never going to happen. You're not going to wash my feet. Hey, okay? I think we can get that sentiment. Like we feel that with Peter sometimes, right? We're like, No, he's just too good, and I'm just too sinful. You're not going to wash my feet. And then what Jesus says to him is amazing. Where is this, verse uh, 8? If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. And that's all Peter wanted was to be with Jesus, right? That's all he wanted. Just, I want to be with you, Lord, wherever you are remember all the guys that abandoned jesus in john chapter 6 they started going away because jesus was talking about people needing to eat his flesh and drink his blood they're like i'm out all Right? and then jesus said are, we, are you guys going to go away too and peter was like well, where are we going to go you have the words of eternal life we're sticking in here like we believe that you are who you say you are right Peter wanted to be with him. But Jesus said, if I don't wash you, Peter, you don't have any share with me. And Simon Peter, (laughs) he goes from like one extreme to the other. You guys notice that? He's like, you'll never wash my feet. And he's like, okay, wash me. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Do what it takes. I want to be with you. All right? I want to have my share with you, Jesus. Do whatever it takes for me to be with you. Yes. One extreme to the other. I think Peter's still missing it. Because Peter says, or Jesus says, let me tell you what I mean. Let me tell you what I mean. Jesus said, verse 10, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for you knew who was going to betray him. If you don't let me wash you, you don't have any part with me. But if you have been bathed, you don't need to wash Set for your feet. You're already completely clean. Jesus is no doubt giving them the spiritual lesson on our need for a Savior. Our need to be cleaned, cleansed from our sin. Which is an amazing picture. Jesus washes the disciple, uh, all of the disciples' feet. He even washes... Judas, the betrayer's feet, right? Obviously, his feet are clean. But he tells the rest of the group, he's like, you're completely clean, but not all of you. He's not clean. For Judas, we could talk about all the disciples, but for Judas, I mean, think about the proximity that Judas had to be to Jesus for him to clean his feet. You're talking about close proximity. He spent three years with him and his disciples, hearing what Jesus was teaching, seeing what Jesus was doing, and he was with believers, right? And he was lost and dead and unclean in his sins. Isn't that amazing? You You know what the hard reality is to that? If that's true, and it is, think about what could happen in this very room, guys. In this very room, our proximity to hearing what Jesus is saying, our proximity to seeing what Jesus does, our proximity to being around God's people doesn't make us saved, doesn't make us clean. If Jesus doesn't clean us, we're not clean. Does that make sense? That's huge. Remember, Jesus loves them to the end for like the next five chapters, Jesus is just pouring in like, hey, this... I need you to know this. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Like I want you to know this is the kingdom speaking here. But it's amazing that he said with Peter, he's like look, he gave Peter assurance for salvation. You are completely clean. Whew. I want there to well, I want you to be shaken if you're like, dude, I'm in Judas's shoes. I know I'm not clean. I know I haven't been saved. I know I need my sins cleansed. I know I need the blood of Christ. I know I need to be washed by him. Take care of that today. Let the Holy Spirit stir in your heart today to say, I need to repent and be saved, right? Place my faith in Christ. On the other hand, I want you to hear that assurance when Jesus tells Peter, he's like, man, you are completely clean. I just need to wash your feet. If you've already been washed or you've already been bathed, you just need to wash your feet. That reminds me of, uh, I have First, uh, First John 1 up there. Look at this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, which by the way, let me give you a caveat real quick and then I'll speed back up. Uh, we should say this every week with the gospel of John. The whole premise for the gospel of John, John said, I have written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have faith in his name. That's why we're doing this this morning there's always points that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. By believing in his name, you can have eternal life, right? First John, another letter that uh, John wrote, he says, I wrote this for those of you who already believe so that you can know that you have salvation. So this is like an assurance letter. It's like, hey, you believe in Jesus Here's some things that are going to be happening in your life as an assurance that you're saved. You're actually clean. You're made well. So he's talking to believers here. So look at this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I love the fact that it says this, that the, well, where's that again? I'm losing myself. If we confess our sins, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Look at the rest of that verse. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you came to Jesus, guys, and you were cleansed and you were saved from your sins, you were made right before him, did you stop battling sin? <laughs> did sin disappear? Did you never face sin again in your life? Paul tells the Hebrews, well, if you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, whoever the author was to Hebrews, he's like to like, cast off the sin that so easily entangles you. He's talking to believers, like cast off the sin that so easily entangles you. We need Jesus who saved us to still save us from sin. We're made a child of God, but the one who made us clean to begin with is the only way we get freedom from sin, right? He not only forgives us and makes us clean, but he, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Uh, look at this quote. Do I have the other quote from J.C. Ryle? I'm about to wrap up, guys. You're, thank you for hanging in there with me. Um, 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 um. <laughs> all right. Where are we at? I lost my spot. Uh, I'll just read off of here because I have no idea where it's at. Um, Look at this. We cannot pass through this evil world without defilement. There is not a day in our lives, but we fail and come short in many things and need fresh supplies of mercy. Even he that is washed needs needs to wash his feet and to wash them in the same fountain where he found peace of conscience when he first believed. Then let us daily use that fountain without fear. With the blood of Christ, we must begin. And with the blood of Christ, we must go on. Isn't that great? How is it that we would think that Jesus saved us to begin with that now we turn to our own strength to set us free? Right? We we had to run to Jesus for salvation. We run to him still. And that's why we're always like, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, it's not cliche. He's the king of the world. He loves you." I'm sneak this in to say, like if our worship team will come back and join me before I forget to call you back up, and we'll all be standing here, like I usually do. I want you to be challenged this morning. like I want you to really think about how to respond with this passage. I just want to pound this in again like Jesus loves you personally, guys. May he loves you. He loves you. You need to hear that this morning. You can rest in his love because he has made you his own. That's great. And then he didn't stop there. He lets us be a part of it where you get to go and love others now. For the rest of our life, like Paul said, man, to depart and be with Jesus, that's great. I want to do that. It's far better. But for me to remain, it's more necessary for the sake of others, for their progress and joy in the faith. So, like, wrestle with that this morning. If you're like, man, I haven't been in a place where I've been resting in the love of Christ, let me tell you this morning, like, you can. There's nothing that you need to do to prove your love for him. He already loves you, and you can rest in this love. Think about the humility that Jesus went through in order to display this to us, right? He humbled himself by becoming a man, like right? born in a manger, right? Grows up, he takes on flesh and blood, and he goes to the cross. He's obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, but like he's washing the disciples' feet. I love you to the end. That was a promise that he made to the disciples with the great commission. He's like, go and make the disciples of all nations, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. You don't have to worry about that. When Jesus says something, you can put a stamp on it. Yeah? If you don't know Jesus this morning, if he has not made you clean, I'm begging you, like Paul said, to be reconciled to God. Whether you pray in your seat, in your own heart between you and him, Forget the prayer team up here, too. That's cool. Thank you, guys. If you want to pray with one of these guys that are going to be up front, if you want to come and find me, one of our other pastors, the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Jesus, and the thing is, Jesus wants to clean you. Jesus doesn't want to leave us in our sins. He made that abundantly clear through his humility he wants to save us. If you're like, man, I am, I am clean. I know I'm completely clean. I know I've been saved. If you're wrestling with some type of sin this morning, whatever is entangling, entangling you, you're like, man, this thing is, has gripped me, and I've been trying to shake it off a million different ways, and it won't go. Like, Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only way. Run to Jesus. He's the fountain that has cleansed you, and he's the fountain that cleanses you still. Yeah? Cool. So there's a way to respond this morning. So do what it takes. I know a lot of times, and uh, the band doesn't mind singing without you, that you can sing too. But I know a lot of times we, we jump right into singing. Uh, if you need to take a moment, take a moment. If you need to take more moments, take more moments. Respond, you to the Lord, right now. Okay? Think about what we've talked about. I, I appreciate you guys for you. I'm excited that we get to be a part of God's family. I'm glad we, we can't earn it because we never would. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for showing to us your love. You are amazing. Lord, thank you for coming to meet us where we're at. Thank you for coming to meet me, Lord. I remember running from you. I remember running on purpose. I remember running saying, "I'm okay with God. We're OK. And Lord, you chase me. And Lord, this morning, somebody needs to hear that you love them right where they're at. You love them right where they're at, Lord. You love them more than they can even imagine. Lord, you humbled yourself to come and meet them where they are at. And you do that still. So Lord, I pray this morning that that someone just would be reminded, help them in this moment to just cry out to you, rejoice in the fact that they're saved and saying, Lord, I, I just want you to consume me so much, Lord, that there's nothing of me that I still claim for myself. I give it all to you. So I pray that you would just teach us surrender this morning. I pray for the person, Lord, the persons, whoever that is, that's battling sin, which we do, Lord. If we say we have no sin, we make you a liar. But you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So this morning, Lord, whatever that is, bring that to the surface, Lord. Let it not be hidden, but Lord, exposed in your light because you want us to walk in your freedom, Jesus. So I pray that for those this morning who just need to say, man, I need Jesus. I give up. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for being a gracious king. In your name we pray. Amen.